0: Pressures in Palestinian state. Catastrophe hits America, one of America's greatest times of need. Israel refuses help to America. Israel is attacked. America sends troops. Chaos reigns as Americans protest help to Israel. Then the fall of America will start with an internal revolution started by the communists. Some of the people will start fighting against the government. The government will be busy with internal problems. Then from the oceans, Russia, Cuba, Nicaragua, Central America, and Mexico, and two of the countries will attack and defeat America in one day, in one hour, so great riches will come to naught. Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Prophecy Club has been around uh, over 25 years now. We have had over 160 different speakers make pretty close to 400 different DVDs. And we have had some of the very best speakers in America talk on all kinds of topics. And I've got an amazing gift offer for you today. Since we have a lot of new listeners picked this up on YouTube, let me briefly explain what it is. I'm going to cover this quickly. We're going to get to the audio of the DVD. Then at the end, I'll explain more in detail what the offer is. Essentially, we we got an amazing offer. Okay. Yeah, I'm calling it the occult holiday gift offer. As you know, some of our holidays in America are not exactly based upon Christianity, putting it lightly. So, we've got 5 DVDs. That's right, 5 DVDs, four titles, valued at $140 today. We're offering them for a gift of $40 to the ministry. $40 will get you 5 DVDs, four titles. Here are here they are. What's wrong with Halloween? Occult Holidays Revealed, America's Occult Holidays, and Occult in Your Living Room, which is a double DVD. Now, I'll tell you more about them at the end of the broadcast. Today, we're going to be listening to Doc Marquis. This guy was raised in a cultic Illuminati family. He attained the rank of third-degree master witch. His family was in the Illuminati for seven generations, 189 years. That's seven generations. He says that Christmas is actually an ancient occult ceremony dedicated to the birthday of Tammuz. Easter's shifting date is determined by astrology. Halloween is the deadliest human holiday there is. And he explains all about bobbing for apples, trick-or-treat, jack lantern and the Christmas tree. Let's go listen to Dot Marquis in America's Occult Holidays.
1: The Christmas wreath. It is circular in its design, And it was done so for a reason. And I'm going to try to be as tactful about this as possible. But if the truth be known, this, first of all, represents the cycle of life and the cycle of reincarnation. The reason that is so is because, occultically speaking, again, this is another um, fertility symbol, because it represents the female sexual organs. And it's for this reason why, in in the occult world, there is still place candles around it because it symbolizes the male phallic symbol, the unification of both of them. And of course, we've seen the holly plant before. This is again another fertility plant. It's a minor one in the occult, but this one is still used to um, celebrate the Yule season in the occult world. And of course, a lot of us honestly believe that these holidays are harmless, that there's nothing wrong with them. As we continue along... How many people, if this is really a harmless holiday, could have honestly right now explain the origins of Santa Claus? Let's face it, Santa Claus, just like these holidays, just didn't fall out of heaven. They had to have come somewhere. In the occult world, remember as I stated before, the winter god is known as the stag god. Through the myth that are found in the occult world, Satan is actually trying to convince his followers that he is like God. See, God has three qualities that, of course, no one else has. He's omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. He sees all, he knows all, he is all-powerful. This is God, just part of God. When we look at the characteristics of Santa Claus, how many of us remember Santa Claus is also omnipotent, according to the legends? Do you know he can tell you at any given time who's been bad and who's been good? And according to um, one popular story, Santa Claus learned how to pick up snow and make it into a snowball. And this snowball is actually used as a crystal ball. He actually learned to do this through the winter god. He's got the power to look through this crystal ball, use it as a scrying device, and divine who's been good and who's been bad. As far as him being everywhere, well, yes. According to the myths, he also has the ability to be like God and be omnipresent. Because according to the story, he can circumnavigate the world in hours and give everyone what they deserve. And if you look at the Scandinavian legend, especially where we get into Odin, according to the ancient myths... Odin took out one of his eye and threw it in the well of knowledge so he himself would gain wisdom. Now, aren't these the three things that make up God? All-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present? This is exactly what Satan is telling his followers through this particular occult holiday. And mind you, why do you think they have reindeers in this story? They symbolize the stag god. These are stag creatures, aren't they? And there's eight of them for a very specific reason. Eight in gematria stands for new beginnings. However, eight is the only number when you place it on its side becomes an occult symbol. And that is the symbol for infinity. The infinite yearly return of the stag god. Why do you think Rudolph, you know, has a red nose? It's the traditional colors. In the celebration of Yule, in the occult world, there is always red and green. These are the two colors that are used during that time of the year. The mistletoe, holly, wreath, the pine trees, the fir trees, all of them are green. The holly berries, the bows, um, Santa's clothes, Rudolph's nose, all that is red. You people didn't create this stuff. It was already there. All that happened is that it was brought into your American calendar and it became Americanized and Christianized. That's how you get this. So the question is, whose birthday is December 25th then if it's not Jesus Christ? Semiramis and Nimrod, the two original co-founders of the occult world, had a child. He was known as Tammuz. Tammuz, was born on December 25th. Four days before December 25th is when the night of Yule begins. It was purposely brought to December 25th for a reason, as far as Christmas goes. It was done for a reason. Back during the early Roman Empire days when you had the first popes, of course we know historically speaking the first one was Constantine. He took over Rome in 313 AD and then established the Council of Trent and declared what was known as the Edict of Milan in 323 AD to where he started what he wanted now, what he called a state religion. Now Constantine, and this is historically, you can prove this easily, was a practicing pagan. He was an occultist. He took these pagan occult rituals and holidays Put them in this new state religion, and if you would, candy-coated it with an air of Christianity. The reason he did that, because he knew the pagans would recognize this for what it really was, and still come in. December 25th, as I stated before, is the birthday of Temuz. What was also going on during the Roman Empire in those days, on December 25th now, was the day of Saturnalia. To the Romans, the head of all the gods was the god known as Saturn. This festival to Saturn was marked with a couple very specific events. First of all, there would be great banquets. Second of all, people would be drinking till they could drink no longer. Third, they would be giving out presents to one another. Now think about this. Don't we have our traditional Christmas banquets to this very day, aren't we having wassail and other different types of drinks during this holiday? Aren't we exchanging presents on December 25th? All this you get because of the occult. When you think about it, what would any of this have to do with the birthday of Christ anyways? Even some of these traditions, and I do mean traditions, we've been taught tradition and not scriptures. Tradition tells us that there was three wise men that made it to the manger, correct? Scripture tells us those wise men never made it to the manger. They never made it till Christ was two years old and He was in His Father's workshop. That's what the Bible tells us. Tradition tells us otherwise. Tradition also tells us, well, this is the birthday of Jesus Christ. We have to make up our minds. If we're going to go by tradition or if we're going to go by scripture. As I stated before, this is going to strike home. And this may hit some of you very hard. But the truth is, as born-again Christians, we have to remember, Jeremiah chapter 10 tells us we are not supposed to learn the way of the heathens. You will find out when Joshua was bringing the children of Israel into the promised land, The reason God threw all those people in those nations out was because they were all practicing the occult religions. God named the nine reasons why they were being cast out of those nations and every single one of those reasons, you look at them, were occultic ones. This is how evil, how foul this stuff is in the eyes of God. And yet, for some reason... We honestly think that there's nothing wrong with this stuff, that if we just say, well, God, you know my heart, you know that, I'm honoring you. How are we honoring God if we're doing it through occult holidays? I can't see how we honestly can say we are honoring God. If we're doing it the exact same way those people in the occult are doing it to this very day. And yet, of course, there's a lot of other holidays that we think, are, well, let's put it this way, that we have Christianized, and we have actually fooled ourselves into believing are Christian. The next one would be Easter. This one, let's face it, this one is extremely popular. This one is supposed to be the resurrection of Jesus Christ, correct? And yet, you're going to find out, Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ have absolutely nothing in common. Now, if you remember in Genesis at the Tower of Babel, and this is the classic um, rendition of the Tower of Babel itself, the people there had sinned against God. They formed a one-world government under a one-world people, under a one-world language, under a one-world tongue, under a one-world religion, which was the occult. The co-founders of this occult religion was Nimrod and Semiramis. God did not want this to happen. So in order to get these people to finally break away from this and their sin, he confused their language. The people went throughout the entire world. Now think about this for a second. When these people left, do you think that they forgot anything? Do you think that they suddenly forgot their occult religion? Do you think they finally um, that they forgot where they came from and what they did? Of course they didn't. When we take a look... At the next great empire that came about after Babylon, we see something very interesting here. Now down here is a great pyramid of Giza. It's on the Giza Plateau in Egypt. But if you look at the top one, that is what's known as a step pyramid. It was one of the earliest pyramids ever built. It was built by the Pharaoh Djoser. Isn't that the exact formation that they were building the Tower of Babylon with? Something very interesting is happening to us, both historically and prophetically. It all started in Babylon, as far as our civilization goes. A one-world religion, one-world people under a one-world language, one financial system, so on and so forth. It's going to come around, and according to the scriptures, we're going to have Babylon all over again. We're going to have this one-world order under one-world people under a one-world occult religion we're doomed to repeat history because we did not learn the mistakes of it. We have really gone off the mark. But as I stated before, you will notice, same formation. What is even more interesting, how many people have heard of the European Common Market and that they're trying to create a one-world monetary system known as the European Unit? Here is their official logo. What is that? Right. That's the Tower of Babylon again. Look at the um, ins- um the inscription down here, Europe. Many tongues, one voice. They want to reverse and undo what God did. God took one voice and turned it into many languages. They want to take those many languages and unite them under one voice, just one people again. The five pointed stars up there, those are inverted pentophiles. Those are the common symbols that are used by those people in Satanism. But there is also something very peculiar going on here. I want you to pay very close attention to this next transparency and you'll see why they're, they're in the formation they're at. You look at the very top of this pip of this next transparency and I think you'll see what I'm talking about. The oldest symbol in existence for Nimrod is the pentafa. Notice it is above or crowning Babylon itself. This is completely telling you that the occult religion is going to be the head over this new um, Babylon. We're going back to where we started. If you remember in your scriptures... When Paul was going through Rome, Greece, the whole empire, well, Paul himself was not noted as um, a quiet man. If nothing else, Paul himself, let's face it, got into a bit of trouble. Thrown to prison at least three times. They tried to stone him to death. They definitely ran him out of town many times. And there was one particular event, if you people will recall, recall it in the Scriptures, where they went into, they actually were trying to get into this one temple and trying to tell these people, you're not supposed to be worshipping these false gods. And if you remember, this was in the city of Ephesus. These people were worshipping a goddess known as Diana. Remember how at the end they were shouting for hours afterwards, great is Diana of the of the Ephesians? They were doing this for a reason, but... If you look at this list over here, Semiramis and Nimrod, their names are the only thing that change in the entire occult world. The practices are the same, but because the people went to Egypt, to Mesopotamia, to the Median Persian Empire, to Greece, to Rome, to Great Britain and finally to America, the names were changed because of culture. The practices are still the same. Remember, when it finally got to Egypt, The sun god, which is what Nimrod was, is now known as Ra, the sun god. The moon goddess is now Isis. That's all that happened. The names changed, but the beliefs remained the same. When Paul finally got to Ephesus, the goddess that they were shouting about is Diana. This is the one of the um, oldest statues that represents the goddess Diana. This is who they were making a big stink about back then. They were standing up in that uh, in that temple for hours, praising and worshiping this statue. Now, remember, as I told you before, Semiramis is a fertility goddess. It is for this reason that you will notice that Diana is a many-breasted figure. It is still a fertility goddess. It did not change. The only thing that changed was the name. Again, if we go to um, to the Roman belief system, their empire, we will look at Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. And she is also a fertility goddess. These are the pagan people that uh, the people in Egypt were worshipping. Now, why are they worshipping a fertility goddess? What's going on? How did this bring about Easter? According to those legends, which are still found in the occult world today, after the first year when Semiramis had died, a giant multicolored egg had fallen out of heaven and landed in the Euphrates River. It washed ashore and landed in a pile of wicker reed. You've, you've seen Wicked Furniture before, correct? We know how strong and durable that stuff can be. Out of this egg, Semiramis, in her reincarnated form as a spring goddess, broke out and would bless those followers of hers. Now first of all, this is where you get the multicolored egg, the Easter egg from. This is also where you get the Easter basket from. And the w- reason you get the word Easter is is because of the Babylonian. In the Babylonian Talmud, if you check on the name of Easter. It is properly spelled I-S-H-T-A-R. It got confused, a lot of people got this confused, with the Egyptian rendition of it. A lot of people thought it was Ishtar. But if you check the original transliteration, the Babylonian one, it is still pronounced Easter to this very day. That is just another name for Semiramis, the moon goddess, or the fertility goddess of the occult world. Now, how many people, be honest, have ever attended a sunrise service? Just raise your hand. If you've ever gone, of course we have. Why? Do you know there's nothing in the Bible to base that on? Scripture, whenever it talked about the dawn, the twilight, sunrise, sundown, the night, the dark, the light, the day, it was mentioned. God knows time. He knows when it's light and dark. He put it in the Bible. When you look at the book of John, and the apostle Peter ran to the sepulcher to check upon the body of Christ, it states, and while it was yet dark... Not light, not a sunrise, it was dark out. The reason we're doing it, having these silly sunrise services, is because of the occult. You see, during those times in Babylon and Egypt, they wanted to welcome the spring goddess, get her here as quick as possible. What they would do, they would go to the temple of Babylon. The priest would actually have new white robes made, For the welcoming in of their queen of heaven, their spring goddess, the priestesses would have these hats that actually looked like baby bonnets made for the ceremony, and they would all go to the temple. And it is for this reason why. Ladies, you are getting your Easter bonnets, and gentlemen, you're getting your brand new Easter suits. That's where that part of the um, belief came in. But the reason these people, what they were doing, they would go to the temple, they would hold this ceremony to welcome in the spring goddess. The reason they did it at sunrise is because once the ceremony was over, they could all disperse throughout the land. And whoever would find the new egg that fell out of heaven to where the spring goddess emerged out of, they would be the person who would receive that blessing from their goddess. That's why you have a sunrise service. Semiramis and Nimrod had a son, as I've told you before, named Temuz. Now, Temuz was nowhere near as good a hunter as his father, Nimrod, was because when he was 40 years old, he was killed by a wild boar out on the hunt. Now, an interesting event was going on in the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, chapter 8, verse 14. Let me set this for you. God has taken Ezekiel and he's showing him visions and different things and taking him around. And at this particular point right now, this is what it states. This is what God is doing with Ezekiel. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz, now, the son of Nimrod. The reason they were doing this, this ceremony, what they were involved in. Now remember, this is in the house of God himself now. These occultists were practicing a very ancient ritual. They would fast, they would weep, they would wail, they would give things up because their God, Tammuz was dead. And you know what? This is where you get Lent from. Lent is 40 days in totality. Those days represent One year for every year of Tammuz's life. 40 days for 40 years. Are the people not weeping, wailing, they're fasting and giving things up on Lent? That's exactly what they were doing here. And yet, we think this is supposed to be part of a wonderful Christian thing that celebrates the resurrection of Christ. And you know why you have your traditional Easter ham? Occultically speaking, when you kill... I should say, when you eat that Easter ham, you are symbolically killing that thing which killed the god Temoz. That's why it's an Easter ham. We have brought all these things into the the, um, church and we think of them as harmless Christian holidays. And there's really nothing harmless about them. Now, if you remember, the goddess is coming back during this time of the year she's known as a spring goddess and this is a typical drawing of the spring goddess you will notice that the sun is behind her because she is beginning to come into power notice how she's holding a cute little easter bunny and all that It's a cutesy little scene but tell me what does a bunny have to do with the resurrection of jesus christ I mean, I would like just one person for once. I don't care if it's a theologian, um, a doctor who um, who has his doctorate in divinity. I don't care who it is. Could someone in the Christian world explain the Easter Bunny to me? I can tell you how it came into the Christian world through the occult. North American Indians commonly used a totem pole and carved animal faces in it to depict various gods of their belief. Correct. They were doing that back in Babylon. Where do you think they got it from? Remember, this stuff spread throughout the world. Eventually, it had to end up in North America. The oldest symbol to recognize the fertility goddess, that of Semiramis, is the bunny. The reason it is the bunny, because the bunny is the fastest procreating creature that we know of. That's why it was the Easter rabbit, or the Easter bunny. That's where you get it from. This
0: is straight from the occult. I'm going to interrupt right there. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit more in depth about these five DVDs, four titles that we're offering. All of them valued at $140 available for a gift of just $40 at prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com. Okay. The first one. What's wrong with Halloween? Dr. Jack Clooney, ranking authority on Satanism, witchcraft, white supremacy, all sorts of things, worked with the FBI, CIA, OSI, Border Patrol, expert on it. Occult Holidays Revealed, Stephen Dollins, ex-Satanist, high priest, Church of Satan, reveals origins behind Christmas, Easter, Halloween. He explains things in an amazing way. And then the one you've been listening to, America's Occult Holidays, And then one you haven't heard, one of the most popular DVDs, double DVD called Occult in Your Living Room, Stephen Dollins shows you things in your living room that will shock you to find out that they're actually occultic, like the rabbit's foot, a troll doll, Teletubbies, Pokemon, all kinds of things you wouldn't even believe. I would say that he could walk through almost any Christian's home and shock you by what you have in your home that's actually occult opens doors for demons to come in. Do you have trouble sleeping at night? That's right. One of these DVDs might set you free. All five DVDs, four titles, valued at $140 for a gift of just $40. At prophecyclub.com. That's prophecy, and you spell prophecy with a C. That's prophecyclub.com. The Occult Holiday Gift Offer. Occult Holiday Gift Offer. Prophecyclub.com five DVDs, four titles, valued at $140 today, a gift of just $40. Thank you for listening, thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your gifts of support. God bless. Now from the Prophecy Club, some exciting opportunities for you. Go visit WatchProphecyClub.com, where you can watch over 160 Prophecy Club titles, for an introductory monthly recurring subscription of just $20 a month, or a yearly subscription for $200. The early $200 subscription is the best deal because it locks in your rate against increases in monthly subscriptions. That's WatchProphecyClub.com. You'll love the format. It's easy to watch, and the quality is great. WatchProphecyClub.com. WatchProphecyClub.com. Go check it out today.